Hello, fellow rebel capitalists. Hope you're well. Wanted to go over some kind of shocking claims from this JP Morgan insider. And to do that, we're going to go over to my good buddy, Andrew Stenu Larson's podcast. We're going to watch a video clip of this. And he's interviewing this guy from JP Morgan. And I think you're going to be very interested in what he has to say. So let's shoot over there right now and check this out. We're going to play a clip here, maybe a minute or two, and then I'm going to give you my thoughts. We're going to connect some dots here. And this is one of the reasons why I think there's such a big disconnect with the mainstream, uh, the mainstream media, the mainstream economists, and these talking heads, these people that work at the banks. They've got a very Fed-centric view. And I think this leads them to make bad decisions and come to conclusions that are inaccurate. Let's get into it and you'll see what I'm talking about. So this is where this gentleman from JP Morgan is talking about the yield curve inversion. Uh, so that's that's how things look. Um, one of the things that really drove me to write this piece is so many clients is either institutional or individual clients ask me the same question again and again about the infall the papal infallibility of the inverted yield curve. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I kind of started out by saying, well, you know, it's true. You know, there's, there is papal infallibility about an inverted yield curve historically, but there's a bunch of other things that were going on when those yield curves were inverted. That's guys, this time it's different. Don't you know? <laughs> Duh. I mean that the yield curve, it doesn't matter anymore. This time it's different. You notice they, they try to avoid saying this time it's different because they know if they say that they catch themselves like, wait a minute here. I know those are the most dangerous words in investing. And uh, if you guys aren't listening to Andrea's podcast, I'd, I'd strongly suggest it's really, really good. It's called uh, Macro Sunday. You can look it up on iTunes or you can just watch it here on uh, on YouTube. But let's keep going here. And I think... Part of this has to do with if you're uh, an executive or if you're high up at JP Morgan, one of these big banks, by definition, you're someone that's good at keeping your job. And most likely your number one priority is keeping your job. Well, we learned this during the GFC where all these analysts and all these JP Morgan types were sitting there telling you that, oh, nothing to see here. Oh, this is just fear mongering. Oh, forget about the yield curve. Oh, subprime is contained. Don't worry about Lehman Brothers. Don't worry about Bear Stearns. And after the fact, they come out and admit that, well, I had to say that because there's this perverse incentive structure on Wall Street if your number one objective is to keep your job. And that perverse inst incentive structure works like this. If you're wrong and everyone else is wrong, you're going to still keep your job. You see? So what I'm saying there is as long as you're going, as, 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 as long as you're consistent with the herd, there's a much lower probability that you lose your job, even if you're wrong all the time. You can be right, wrong. It really doesn't matter as long as you're not out of line with the group think. Where see here on YouTube, I, I'm not constrained by that. <laughs> I can say whatever I want, right? And the reason I, I'm assuming that this gentleman falls into that category is because listen to the rationale that he uses for completely dismissing the yield curve and basically saying this time it's different. It's, it's kind of this, like these mental gymnastics that would be required. And if you put me in a position and said, George, 
give me a bullish argument for why the yield curve doesn't matter. And when we know that you think it does, but we're, you're, you're playing an actor on, on a movie or something like that, give us your best pitch. It, it would require some pretzel logic on my part, but I could give you something that, that might say, oh, okay, well, I, I guess maybe this time it is different. But I wouldn't believe it, but this is what I would tell you because you're my client, and if everyone else is believing the exact same thing, that the Fed is the center of the universe, then this is the best way for me to protect my job. But let's keep going, and you guys will hear what I'm talking about. It's not happening today. And I, I think people pay too much attention to a, a single-factor inverted yield curve and not enough attention to all the other things that were going on at the time. Mm. If you look at the uh, U.S. economy right now and the sensitivity to interest rate hikes, what has changed since the sensitivity seems to be lower now than it was, say, five, ten years ago? Yeah. Well, not just that. I mean, all the post-war era mm -hmm. uh, tell, shows you that when rates go up, you see a kind of serious increases in both delinquency rates and interest as a percentage of interest paid as a percentage of corporate profits. That's that's not happening now. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not even happening to any great degree with households. I think who didn't get the memo during 10 years of financial repression that you should lengthen the duration of your liabilities? The only people that I've seen during this whole cycle that didn't get the memo were the inexperienced asset liability managers at Silicon Valley Bank and First Republic and places like that. Mm -hmm. They were extending the duration of their assets at the lows and rates. But I, I think, you know, when you look broadly speaking, whether it was the treasury or, or the corporate sector or households, um, most people took the opportunity to extend their duration. The average coupon rate on all outstanding U.S. mortgages is 3.5%. Okay. Ah, uh, here we go. So what he's saying is we had all these low interest rates for so long. Who didn't fix their interest rate? Everyone's got a 30-year fixed rate mortgage. So raising rent interest rates, it doesn't matter anymore because no one's rolling over their debt. That's his argument in a nutshell. He just says it in Wall Street speak. But in English, that's his argument. Come on. <laughs> Come on, man. You could do better than that. Jeez, come on. So look, I think let's just, let's give him the benefit of the doubt here. Let's assume this is what he truly believes. Let's try to go through this process of mental gymnastics to try to you know, figure out his, his framework. So if I believed that there was some sort of causal component to the yield curve being inverted, and that's what created the recession, I'm, I might be able to come to these conclusions. If I thought that the yield curve inversion caused something to happen, instead of it being a signal that the market is saying that these things are happening. You see, that that's the difference between, I think, maybe his view and my view, giving him the benefit of the doubt. He's coming at this as, oh, well, the yield curve is inverted. Well, this is th this means that it's going to cause X, Y, and Z. Or let's take it a step further. Let's just assume for a moment that you believed the Fed was at the center of the global, not just the global monetary system, but the global economy and the U.S. economy. So the Fed determines when we have a recession. So by the Fed raising interest rates, then they 
in effect are causing the recession. Now, not that they're contributing to it, but they are causing it. So without the Fed raising interest rates, well, we would never, ever have a recession. See, if you believed that, then you could kind of see where he's coming from. Because the, the argument there is, well, the Fed is increasing interest rates, and usually the Fed increasing interest rates would cause the recession. But this time it's different because the Fed is increasing interest rates, but we see that the economy is completely resilient. And the Fed isn't going to be able to cause a recession, and the Fed is just going to stick the landing. We're going to have no landing or a very soft landing, and therefore the bond market, who has been right every single time going back to 1850, is somehow now incorrect. Because I don't know what you would say, because you have all these inexperienced bond managers that are seeing the Fed raise interest rates. So they are assuming that it's going to lead to a recession when they're not looking at all these other metrics that show us that the probability of recession is incredibly low. So like idiots, they're buying the long end of the yield curve. And that's why the curve is inverted. Now, to be very, very clear, that is not my position. That is, if I'm trying to give this gentleman the benefit of the doubt, if I'm trying to put on my mental gymnastics pretzel logic hat and say, how could you possibly come to this conclusion with a straight face? Or if I was paid to pitch this to a client, or if I knew that I had to come up with some sort of rationale as to why the yield curve doesn't matter to make sure that I don't lose my job, then that's probably the argument that I would give you. So why is that wrong, in my opinion? Because this assumes that the Fed is at the center of the economic universe. So let's go back to uh, the, well, let's just go back to GFC, right? So this idea would have to mean that if the Fed would not have raised rates, then we never would have had the GFC, never. So subprime, the real estate market, all the, um, which was a catalyst, right? That was kind of the pin, the straw that broke the camel's back. But the government forcing banks to lend all of these people that couldn't pay back their loans, that had nothing to do with it. It was, if, if that would have happened and the Fed never would have raised rates, then we never would have had a recession. We never would have had a GFC. You know, forget about the fact that the monetary system was incredibly fragile, that the, the amount of collateral in the system completely blew up overnight. Forget about all that stuff. That was all a result of the Fed taking interest rates from whatever it was, 1.5% up to 5%. And if the Fed just would have kept rates at 1.5, we never would have had the GFC. Hey guys, I want to remind you to check out Rebel Capitalist Pro. This is the incredible online investment forum that I have with investment experts, Lynn Alden and Chris McIntosh. It includes professionals such as Patrick Serezna from Macro Voices. He specializes in options. Tony Greer, commodity trading. Jason Hartman, real estate. And Brent Johnson with Macro Economics. If you want to build wealth and thrive in this world of out-of-control central banks and big governments, Rebel Capitalist Pro is the resource you need. So check it out today at georgegammon.com forward slash pro. That's georgegammon.com 
forward slash pro. We'll see you inside with the fellow rebel capitalists that are taking their investing to the next level. Fast forward to the Cerveza sickness, right? Well, the yield curve inverts. And uh, what did the Fed do? They start hiking rates. And then, you know, then we get this recession, but we never, ever, or would likely have never had the recession if it wasn't for the Cerveza sickness. You see, so the yield curve back then was obviously wrong because in 2019, it was a predicting a recession. We had a recession, but the recession had nothing to do with, the, with what the yield curve was predicting. The recession had everything to do with the Cerveza sickness. You see, I think that's kind of the logic here, where if you go back and you're like, no, 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 no. The Fed definitely contributed to the GFC, but we would have had the GFC if I had taken a little longer. But come on, man. I mean, th this was a powder keg that was ready to blow. It's just the Fed lit the fuse, for heaven's sakes. The Fed didn't create the powder keg. Uh, the politicians did. So, and maybe you could say artificial low interest rates contributed to it, but you guys understand what I'm referring to. So then let's fast forward to the Cerveza sickness. You know, these Wall Street types, and I've heard them say this over and over and over and over again, their basic opinion is, well, the yield curve got lucky because the yield, there's no way the yield curve was predicting the Cerveza sickness. No way. Uh, no one saw that coming. Really? Because now all of a sudden we see these reports come out that show that, oh, they actually knew about the Cerveza sickness way back in August of 2019, prior to repo blowing up. And right about the time when we had the most extreme inversion of the curve, that's when they found out, the that's when the financial insiders would have found out about the quote-unquote leak. So we're talking about guys like Paul Tudor Jones, Warren Buffett, George Soros, Stan Druckenmiller, Jamie Dimon, etc. I mean, when you look at Davos in 2020 and these financial elite talking about the surveys sickness, they didn't just get the, the the memo a week ago. No, 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 no. They most likely had known about this for months. That's why they knew so much more than the anchors at CNBC. So like I said in that whiteboard video, it's, it's like having Biff's Almanac. So this guy is likely under the opinion that, well, the, the yield curve got lucky. And you see what I'm saying? He doesn't think that the yield curve inverts because people have insider information. And I think it's obvious, <laughs> in my opinion, that that's how this thing works. Another thing that he doesn't address is, okay, well, you're, to say, you're, you're telling me that the bond market is wrong. You're telling me the bond market is getting this wrong. And you're also telling me that, that this is going to be the first time in history that we've had this type of inversion that did not lead to a recession. You're also telling me that this is going to be the first time in history that the long end of the yield curve is going to go up. And that is what's going to make the yield curve steepen out. So it's not just this is it's different this time about the yield curve, but it's different this time about the yield curve. It's different this time about the long end of the curve steepening. In other words, the bear steepener. It's different this time about when the Fed pauses. It's different this time about all of these different things that the bottom line is that the, 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 the people these huge pension funds, these financial insiders that have been buying the long end of the curve to keep it 100 basis points, for heaven's sakes, under Fed funds are all wrong because this time it's different. That's, that's the fundamental argument here that's being made. But you can't say it like that because if you say it like that, you sound ridiculous. 
right? So what you have to do is you have to do what this gentleman is obviously very good at doing. And it's kind of, well, it's different because corporate profits are higher. Actually, let's keep going here because he gives a couple more excuses. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. high interest rates is not great for kind of contemporaneous housing starts and 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 housing activity, but it, it's it's not really creating much of a delinquency dent. I was at a meeting yesterday with the people that run our consumer bank. And we bank 60 or 70% of the households in the United States. The only really ugly number in their entire portfolio is subprime auto. Mm-hmm. You know, and so, subprime. So you're completely ignoring the fact that we've got these student loan payments. You're completely ignoring the fact that people haven't had to make uh, the, the, the expense side of their PL has been basically cut in half for the last three years. You're completely ignoring the fact that people had this additional savings as a result of STIMIs and PPP and whatnot. Completely ignoring the bullwhip effect, completely ignoring all this stuff, and you're just simply looking at a snapshot of what's happening right now with the consumer, and you're just extrapolating that indefinitely into the future, and then you're somehow saying that this is different, and we didn't do this back in 2007 and 2008, when all you have to do is look at history, all you have to do is read the Wall Street Journal, and this is exactly (laughs) what they were doing back in 2008. They had the exact same argument. Let's keep going. Prime auto, all you need is even the whiff of economic weakness and it blows up. But it's only around 20% of all of all auto lending. So, you know, that what if that's the worst thing that's going on right now with respect to household credit risk, it's not that bad. If we look at the leads and lags between monetary... So let, let's go into that. Okay, well, let's assume that you think the Fed is the center of the economic universe here. Okay, what's the Fed trying to do, JP Morgan Insider? They're, they're trying to increase unemployment. So you're sitting there talking about how strong the consumer is. Yeah, with all this extra stimmy stuff and his expenses being cut in half and the unemployment rate being at all-time lows going back to the 1960s. So if you believe, so all of this economic data that you're referring to is with the unemployment rate at all-time lows or historic lows going back to the late 1960s. Okay, great. But you also believe that the Fed is at the center of the universe. And what is the Fed doing? They're increasing interest rates until what? Not that they get inflation target down. No, 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 no. Until they increase unemployment. Because their worldview, it's all about the unemployment rate. It's all about the Phillips curve. It's all about the price wage spiral. So they're not going to rest until they increase the rate of unemployment. So basically what this guy is saying is that even with unemployment at 5 6 7%, when now it's at 35 all of these metrics that I'm looking at that are showing me that the consumer's resilient will still be the same. You see, I mean, if you just if you just push back a little bit with this argument, it completely just topples over like a, a house of cards here, like a game of Jenga. But the, the problem is that I don't think that most of J.P. Morgan's clients are, I don't want to say sophisticated because I don't, I don't want to sound like like I'm sophisticated, but I'm just neck deep in this stuff all the time. As you guys know, I do like four or five videos on this every single day. I'm doing these whiteboard videos. I'm retired for heaven's sakes. I got nothing else better to do. So I think when you're in that category, uh, I, I think maybe the people he's talking to haven't done the research to actually push back and say, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Your, your line of thinking is flawed. It's flawed here, 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 and here. And uh, therefore, he just keeps going with this pitch 
Because I think at the end of the day, he knows that if he, this is what Wall Street is thinking, this is what they're trying to push because this gives them more assets under management, right? This is how they collect their fees. If the, if the, if the uh, yield curve is correct, then all of a sudden everyone's going to tighten their belt. They're not going to be able to collect their fees. They're going to take a hit. That could be bad for their balance sheet. When if they just kind of keep, uh, if they keep the same tune within all of them, it's the same script. They come up with reasons why it's different this time. Then that's better for their balance sheet. That's better for their PL, but it's also the best way for them to continue to keep their job. Because even if the, let's say we had world war three, then they'd have a perfect excuse. Oh, well, no one saw that one coming. Uh, yeah, the yield curve did. Oh, well, that's not what the yield curve was predicting. They'd pull the same nonsense that they did with the Cerveza sickness. Well, or I'm sure they said the same thing with the GFC. When people were saying, well, that's what the yield curve was predicting. Oh, no, 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 no. No one saw it. Listen, housing had never gone down in the history of the United States. So no one saw that one coming. That's definitely not what the yield curve was implying. That would probably be the pitch, but you keep your job. All right, guys, enjoy the rest of your afternoon. Happy, well, I'm out of the United States, so I never keep track of the holidays. I know today's all, Josh, what is it today? Is it Memorial Day? No, what is it? Memorial Day. It's Memorial yeah. Day today? It's Memorial Day. Okay, well, I should know that one, that's for sure. So happy Memorial Day, guys. Uh, we'll be here with a few more videos throughout the day. A lot of news to actually yeah. talk about today, believe it or not, yeah. So as always, make sure that you're standing up for freedom, liberty, free market capitalism, and I will see you on the next video.